and welcome into another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast, everybody. Our first one of the new year. I hope you all had a great and wonderful holiday weekend as well, too. We're going to jump right into it really quickly today. We're going right into the tip-off. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, there's really only one thing to talk about right this moment as well, too, and that's the story that is, for lack of better words, at words absolutely shocked the sports world. It was Damar Hamlin on Monday Night Football collapsing in the middle of the game. We're not. It's not fully diagnosed what has happened yet, too, but we could both say the only words that came to mind during that were, what the F, oh my goodness, is he okay? Yeah, uh, look, I've seen a lot of injuries in football and I've never seen something quiet like that. That was, um, I mean, I, I don't normally get emotional watching sports, uh, but I can honestly say watching that moment, I, I, I yeah, it got me. Um, and it not only got me, it got me good. It was, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was wild uh, to just to watch, to see the reactions of the players and to see the, uh, the, you know, response, um, First of all, shout out to the response from the NFL team, uh, the medical team. That was, uh, you know, in a situation where you know you always prepare for the worst. You don't, you you, know, you never see it though. Um, they were ready for it, and uh, they talk about their sixty-minute meeting that they have before the game is one of those situations that, because of that, obviously they know their chain of command when a situation like that arises. So they were able to to act quickly. So thankful for that. But yeah, as far as everything goes, you know, uh, such a wild situation. And what was panned out to be one of the games of the year. And unfortunately it's we're, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about a man fighting for his life. And at the end of the day, you know, he said, he actually said it in an interview earlier this season. He's like, you know, there's things in life that are bigger than the game. And, and this is one of those things. It's the game doesn't matter. Um, and we talked about this during, you know, when we were watching uh, the game and, and, and everything and, you know, just, just the situation that arised with it. And, and it was, uh, yeah. It's absolutely wild to think that something like this could happen to a healthy 24-year-old, um, somebody who is pretty innocuous play, uh, just made a tackle. And, you know, looking at some of the updates, uh, you know, you have Alan Sills, the chief medical advisor for the NFL, saying that, you know, obviously you've heard Commodio Cordis being the thrown around diagnosis, but it might be a diagnosis of exclusion because they might not know. And the fact is the thing that they're throwing around is something so astronomically unlikely that it's something that most of them only read about in books. You know, it takes the exact right amount of force and the exact right amount of place at the exact right amount of time and a heartbeat cycle to cause it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was wild. I, it was wild. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's my, you know, take from it. I, yeah. Praying for his family. Obviously, if you guys haven't been following along, uh, there's obviously the fundraiser, the, that he created for, um, the chasing M's foundation community toy drive uh, a couple years back that bears down fans in their infinite wisdom. And I don't know how they keep doing it, but they keep finding these situations, these, these GoFundMe pages and man, I don't think I think I've seen a more supportive fan base other than them in the Bengals right now. This is absolutely fun. Uh, fantastic to watch out of a dire situation, uh, nearly $6 million raised um, for this foundation. That's not including the stuff going, you know, to his Jersey sales or anything like that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it is um, it's a sad situation, and there are some positives coming from it. You know, you obviously see the support being thrown in the community, but yeah, this is just something you're you're sitting here and just, you know hoping for the hoping for the well being of a of just a young young man, just you know trying to live his life, trying to play the game for fun, the kids game, you know, to make a living, and then uh, this brings in that light of yeah, I'd, you know, run myself through a wall for you, well. We've all seen that result now, and now it's it made everybody quite second take a take a step take a step to to just kind of pause and be thankful for what we have right now. You know, I will say what's interesting about that toy drive too that you mentioned is someone in either the team and owner, a player from all thirty two teams was somehow represented in that list as well too. Among many many others, you can find Jim Mercy is the leader right now with over twenty five thousand, I believe it is as well. You see. Tom Brady's on there, Andy Dalton. The list goes on and on. We we need another hour of a show to go through that. Oh, people yeah. on there on Twitter, every single team changed their profile picture to us. Pray for Demar Hamlin with his number as well too. I think one thing you mentioned too, shocking. I think one reason they say a picture is worth a thousand words. The fact that we all saw that live, like you hear about cardiac arrest, you hear about people in situations like, that, but you don't until you see it, especially like that to a twenty-four year old, like. 
I was 24 when I graduated college and that feels like four lifetimes ago. So that is how young of a man this is as well too. And to actually see it with your own eyes multiple times as well to see it just right in front of you. I think that really was the jarring effect it had on everybody and in a situation where the least likely place you expect something like that as well too. the least likely time is so it was a very shocking and jarring for everyone to see that. I do want to circle back to that 60 minute meeting you mentioned as well too. And you mentioned Dr. Silas talked about that meeting and nobody ever sees that it goes on underneath the stand. So nobody actually sees that thing, but it's probably the most important meeting like that all of the medical personnel, everyone related to that meets and they basically go over, okay, we won't have to do this, but we got to go over it just in case. And well, this is the one time they actually had to do it. And very thankful they did because in those situations, when your heart stops and you have to get CPR, your it's not just your lungs necessarily, but your brain and your organs are the things that really suffer from that. And the fact they were able to do that so quickly is what it, for right now has them in a trending upward positions. They were able to save a lot, save a lot of those organs as well too, by acting so quickly the latest update we have for him as well, too, is as oxygen levels have improved, that he's basically right on track for what they wanted to see. It's still a long ways to go, obviously, still listed as critical condition, but the trend is pointing up, and that is very that is very good and heartwarming to hear as well, too, just a couple of days later, and very encouraging signs moving forward as well. And kind of want to circle this one, one more thing back to that we kind of talked about as well, too, and kind of get your thoughts on this as well. When we look at kind of how the how the entire community rallied around him as well too. Like we talked about all of the, all the player donations, the entire, every team changed their Twitter handle. Everywhere's going to have something on him this week as well too. We got sauce Gardner trying to quickly grab a Jersey in time to wear for this weekend. Cause fanatics is probably running out of delivery drivers right now with how many people are ordering him. Have you ever seen anything quite like this, where it seemed like the entire sports and world managed to unite around one single cause? No, I mean, this is, uh, you got to say, this is kind of unheard of in a lot of ways. I, I mean, uh, I think I think maybe if you look back uh, a few years ago to the um, South American soccer team who passed away in the tragic plane accident um, and and situation like that where everybody rallied around that team and that, that city, um, maybe that, that might be a situation there. But honestly, to this, uh, the... I don't know if we've seen it for in the in the, in the U.S. with a U.S. sport. I, I think I, I think I should say I don't think we've seen it that kind of this way because there's never been really an athlete that we I think we've ever seen on this in this situation on live TV. Like it's happened before in pro. It, it, like something you know has happened. A player has collapsed in pro sports before. It's not you know uh, Christian Eriksen in in in, in the Euros. Um, I think back to and and obviously how they rallied around Christian Eriksen. And that's the world, you know, worldwide situation. Um, but even to that degree, I don't know if it was the same. It doesn't feel like it was the same. Um, you know, it, it is something that maybe it's just because uh, I, the Bills fan has Bills fans have always done this. They like if somebody gets hurt, somebody gets you know something like that, and and they find that person's foundation, GoFundMe, something like that. Which, by the way, I'll show, I'll say this before I continue any further. Uh, if you guys are interested in the fundraiser, it, we do have the link down in the in the comments, so you can click on that and if you feel like donating, go go ahead and do that. But you know they do, at, like the Bills fans have always found those and, and have added extra. That has added an extra extra piece to this because it's not just Bills fans donating, and it's not just you know, Bengals fan, as you mentioned, it's somebody from all 32 teams. I mean, you have Adam Schefter, you have Shannon Sharp, you have the La Liga, which is the Spanish Soccer Federation. Um, you have Michael Phelps. Chris Jericho donated two times because one one didn't, it didn't accept a $10,000 donation for him the first time, so he did two $5,000 donations. Um, you know, you have uh, the commanders, New Era, New Era themselves came out and, you know, gave money. Like, you have companies in there giving money and um, donating to them. And, and so it's, you know, fantasy football leagues, you know, we talk about the impact obviously on this young man's life. Well, <laughs> there's fantasy football owners out there that are like, they, they don't care about what happens in their fantasy football leagues. They there's fantasy football leagues that are donating the purse, the entire purse for their league into that foundation as well. I mean, you look at that top donations list and there's fantasy football after fantasy football league and, you know, throwing in thousands of dollars. And so, I don't know if I've ever seen anything to this level because it is really people just maybe it's because it's a new year. Maybe it's because of everything we went through after the lockdown. I don't know what it is, what is causing this type of support, but it is, it is 
through all the bad, it is kind of a heartwarming situation to see the support being being given off to Demar Hamlin and his family. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen it this just to this level. This has been through all the bad, and and I have to keep emphasizing that through all the bad of this, through all the negatives of this, that there is that nice community feel that 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 people are coming together on this one and and i mean it wasn't even a question like you know like we were sitting here watching the game and it wasn't even a question in the coaches it wasn't a question in the players it wasn't a question in anybody in to do with that game that that game was going to be canceled you know the nfl obviously doing their due diligence trying to get things rescheduled for later on that's why it took so long but let's be honest nobody and now that's the first time i think i can honestly say the nfl has ever put its players first it felt like in a situation like this, it, it, and, 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 you know, obviously you're talking more of the support of, of off the field, but I, I do want to bring this to that NFL situation too, because this does really feel like the first time I've seen the NFL in a situation like this actually put aside the dollar and be like, these players aren't fit to go out there. Let's cancel this. And, you know, obviously coaches and players and captains have a lot to do with that, but at the same time, there was no issue from the NFL. There was no, stink being raised by the NFL to try to play that game. They were just, yeah, absolutely. You're not playing. You're not playing tomorrow. We have no plans to reschedule this unless we absolutely have to. Like, I, I think that's applaudable in, in a lot of ways as well. So, yeah, this, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite just like this. Because even I talked about Christian Erickson, that game went on. Those guys went back out there and played afterwards. You know, so, I don't know. I will add to that as well, too. I know a lot of people made a big thing about like that five minutes getting warmed up and thing like that. I think that was just kind of reading the protocols for what would like for an elongated stoppage of play. And I think that was just a little communication. I think even Zach Taylor mentioned his press conference today. Once him and Sean McDermott spoke, they're like, this is not going to happen. Like they, and he even gave Sean McDermott credit for leading the way. Like this, we can't do this. Like this unprecedented situation. I like it wasn't like you mentioned, they didn't force him to play. It wasn't a big rabbit hole. I think it was just a lot of confusion as well. Which to that to that I do want to through there's a lot of bad in this as you mentioned as well. Too. In fact, the story itself is bad. We're not going to focus on the bad because there's a lot. If you want to go find bad, go look on Twitter. There's plenty of it you can find. We're going to focus on the good and the positive, and the thing the heartwarmingness of this. The one thing one team I want to give credit to is as much as we like to rag on them, the ESPN broadcast team did a fantastic job throughout this entire thing as well yeah. too. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, they are mandatorily the butt of all jokes when it comes to sport broadcasting. And sometimes Joe Buck deserves it because sometimes he opens his mouth and inserts his foot. But what they did in this unprecedented, un- just insane time, honestly, where you don't know what's going on is a tragic situation. For all anybody knew, we had just witnessed somebody pass away on the field. And it was awfully close to that, as we're learning now, too. We're, we had the beneficiary of talking about it 48 hours later. So we've had a chance mm-hmm. to see updates and like gather they're doing this live in real time while you went from like the highest of highs from that game to, oh my God, what did we just witness? What is going on and getting things? That is chaos that was going on there at that point too. The way they're trying to bounce back and everybody with ESPN handled that very, very well. Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Lisa Salters, the people in the truck, like everybody running it, they couldn't have handled that any better, I thought as well too, which obviously a very, very small piece of the entire story is just something, just wanted to point that out. And I want to circle back to when you talked about those donations. One of my favorite stories that came out of that one is a few years ago, Bill's Mafia, as you mentioned, they find these random GoFundMes and then they get rolling on it. When Andy Dalton helped get them to the playoffs, they actually found his 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 foundation and donated to it. And lo and behold, who was one of the first donations for this one as well, too? Andy Dalton with one of the larger initial donations as well, too. So yeah, a very full circle and heartwarming thing of the unity that is coming behind this as well. And when Demar Hamlin does recover, I'm saying when he recovers and when he's a when he's back up, he's it's if he's not in tears, I'll be in tears for him because of how, how much unity and how much backing he has right now from just across the world as well too. Like the amount of support he's going to have when he when he bounces back as well too. It's absolutely incredible. In a very tragic situation, there is a lot of good to come out of the back end of it as well too, and it is great to see those people actually rally and care and how. As we mentioned, we haven't really seen anything like this in the U.S. You mentioned in, in soccer with Erickson, it was it was similar similar situation, but at the same time, very very different as well. Too like it's comparing apples to strawberries at that point, and it's really incredible to see how everyone is rallied behind. And honestly, I just I can't wait till he recovers and he gets to see a toy drive meant for twenty five hundred. Now it's oh, probably going to be a seven million by the time he 
he kind of wakes up yeah. and gets a chance to look at it. Maybe even eight is the rate it's going. It almost feels like it's a competition between how high can we get at this point? Who can make the biggest donation? Yeah, and it's it is it is actually getting kind of wild because um, you're at six point seven six two six six million seven hundred sixty two thousand two hundred dollars right now raised. Um, and like you said, the original goal for this, uh, they I believe they originally had 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 about three hundred thousand um, dollars in this foundation, and so in the matter of we're talking seventy two hours here. Six million dollars, six and a half million dollars raised. Um, absolutely outstanding. And they actually did put a post an update on here. The actual group, the Jaster athletes who are um, in charge of actually running this GoFundMe for Damar on behalf of the Hamlin family, um, they are working with the Hamlin family, the Chasing M's Foundation, and the GoFundMe page or fund FundMe team to ensure that the safe delivery of the funds. Uh, you know. Damar originally, they, they go on to say, Damar originally created the Chasing M's Foundation to use as a vehicle to bring lasting impact to his community. So it supports food, toy drives, back-to-school drives, kids' camps, and more. And, you know, it's it's currently, this is the only fund that the Hamlin family has. And now I mentioned that because, I also mentioned the jerseys because, as you guys don't know, uh, Fanatics has the deal with all NFL players. Any jersey sold for NFL players goes, a percentage of that of that purchase goes to that player directly. It's one of the really cool incentive deals in pro sports for for all pro sports for jersey sales. So, you know, there, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of support being thrown here, and it is it is fascinating to watch. Um, but you know, I, I do want to go to the guy you mentioned. You mentioned the Monday Night Football crew. Um, you know, one of the harder ones to listen to, and one of the more telling, and probably the most experienced of anybody that could talk, possibly talk about this type of a topic was Ryan Clark. When Ryan Clark started talking about this. Um, and, and, you know, I just want to pull one of one part of this, his conversation about this out. And, and he talks, he's like, he says that I, at 24, I didn't know that I could die. And, you know, that just, that hit me when, when I was listening to Ryan Clark talk, if anybody doesn't know the story of Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark has a rare sickle cell immune uh, disease and, and, and a rare deformity that when he goes, he went to Denver, Colorado, he ended up having, a blood clot caused, it, caused him to be taken to the ER, almost passed away as well. Um, did not get the, has never been able to play in Denver again in his career. Actually had to retire because there's one game out of the year that he couldn't play every year. Um, sad situations. It's somebody, but, but somebody who has kind of firsthand experience in this, being on the, being on the experience end of this, uh, of, of something uh, as, as remotely close as you can get in this situation. And, and for him to talk about that, and he goes on to say that not only – Demar Hamlin, but all the players on the field, everybody watching, all the fans, all the players, everybody in the organizations, everybody's life changed that night. And I, that impact that that hit me a lot just to think about that. And and then you're really like thinking about it. It does. It's true. I mean, I I don't feel the same since watching that. Um, I don't know a single person who has watched that and can say they feel the same. And that's, and, and I think that's telling. And I think that's the first time that anybody ever watching NFL football can honestly say that they've ever probably felt that you know i don't think we've been watching these guys fly around basically superhumans you know and maybe outside of the ryan chazier injury i don't think we've ever really had this moment of oh no you know and 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 i just you know and 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 to see the support afterwards i think it's it's telling how much this has affected everybody Absolutely, as well too. There's a there's a quite a few oh no moments in football, but very few can match up to that kind of oh no. Like there's levels to oh no, and that was an oh no that we've never really seen before as well. We've been been giving them props and everything like that as well too. I still want to go back to it one more time because I just found a very interesting stat about it as well too. I want once again the medical staff. Not all heroes were capes, but all of those people involved are heroes in the fullest extent as well. And you can see the look on the player's face now that we know what they were seeing because we couldn't really see it. Lifetime, but now that we know what they were seeing, you see why they were so shaken as well, too. But I want to give a sh- shout out to that medical team one more time. The they are the absolute truest of true heroes on this. About 70 to 90 percent of people who go into cardiac arrest in the U.S. they die before they even get to the hospital because they're next. They're surrounded by people who don't know what to do because they they don't know CPR, they don't have the equipment. They just they think, oh, they just faint. They don't know what to do. They basically. You have a very, very, very short window to to maximize the opportunity to live there. And they did that in front. Like, imagine the most stressful situation you've had in your life or something very, very difficult that you have to do on a tight deadline. 
with 65,000 people live watching you and and six, seven, eight, hundred, ten, however many million watching you on TV as well, too. And the fact that they did what they did, resuscitating him and getting him a fighting chance like that as well, too. Well, you can't say enough positive things about that medical staff as well, too, and everything that they accomplished. They're giving him a chance to be in that 30 to 10% that does survive after cardiac arrest as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, we cannot look, we cannot talk about the medical staff enough and it's actually, I want to, you know, it, it, look, this, this is, this brings up questions, right? This, this incident brings up questions. If you're a parent or if you have ne- nieces and nephews, or if you're a coach about what would you do in this situation, right? Like, can, can, do you feel comfortable letting your kids play? Do you feel comfortable letting your nieces and nephew play? And I want to go to back to Dr. Sills and, and he goes on to say, he's, he's, he says, I, you know, I let my children, my grandchildren play sports because I think they are, there are tremendous benefits, which is true. And there are absolutely tremendous benefits. But he says, as a parent, he wants to know, is this sports league prepared? Do they themselves have an emergency action plan? And do they have bystanders or people who are trained in emergency procedures? Are there a defibrillator question, present? And he says, if you can't answer those key questions, then maybe – maybe that might be something that you you need to get to your league and, and discuss that. And when I say maybe, he means do it. Um, yeah, it's and, not and really just, Yeah, no, this is a situation where I, I, I mean, I can't, like I've been very, very hard on the NFL about their, about their support of players when it comes to actual player health. Uh, because despite all the concussion protocols, it was very apparent that that was just gloss on the window. This is something that is actually the NFL is taking seriously and is, and, and they're, you know, they are showing that they have the processes in for this type of support for a player. And, and, and they're providing, and now, and you have, you know, the NFL's general uh, medical officer that he is sitting there telling you that don't allow your kid to play in a league that doesn't have these procedures in place. So that tells you everything you need to know about where the NFL takes this and how seriously this is, this is being taken. And, and, and that in itself is, if you're playing in a league, please, 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 please make sure these things are in, are set up in in a, in a league for your children. Even if you're if you're an adult playing semi pro, please make sure these this is this is stuff set up for you for you. I mean, I this is just something that I feel like should have been a no brainer for many years, but now we see the evidence of it, and we see what happens when you are prepared. You just saved a man's life. You saved a 24 year old man's life, and you allowed him to continue to grow, continue to experience life. And give him a fighting chance at saving uh, to, to to live a normal life. And so, um, you know, we'll keep this is the story as it as it continues to get updated. We'll keep it, you know. But I know we didn't post anything on Twitter. And I just want to say this: we didn't post anything on Twitter because we didn't know what to say when it all happened. Um, truthfully, like you know, we can say all the cliche thoughts and prayers, but uh, truthfully, is we we're so in shock. I, I don't think I've ever been rendered speechless by a situation, and to see now. That he is being given a fighting chance. It's, uh, it's great to see that he is progressing. Hopefully, that continues. And as you said, when he gets better, um, it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be a great story to, to 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 hear about when he gets better. But it's going to be getting to that point, and you know, applaud everybody involved because that is just such a terrifying situation. One hundred percent. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this part with just one last quick little nugget, little nugget about it as well too. So the Colt safety Rodney Thomas II, he was a high school and childhood friend of Demar Hamlin as well too, both from the Pittsburgh area. Right after that happened, he drove down to Cincinnati, and one quote that really stood out for me as well too is because he said he talked to him. He doesn't know if he could hear him, but he he got to say what he had to say. He knows he he could hear them if if that makes sense as well. The one thing he says, no doubt in my mind, he's a fighter. No other thought in my mind of him walking out of there under his own power as well, too. And I think we all kind of share that sentiment. We're we're not thinking about if we're thinking about when, and we it's going to be an absolutely heartwarming moment. And I think for in a positive way, I think the world once it gets posted or once people once it happens, it is going to be a round of applause across the country as well, too. A well deserved one. And when he gets to see all the support that happened during this as well, I think that's going to warm. That's going to give him a nice warm feeling inside as well, too. But Definitely praying for his quick, speedy, and one and recovery as well too. Hopefully, able to live a high quality of life, football or no football, rest of his life. We're praying for a high quality of life throughout as yeah. well too. So, that we're going to continue to monitor this and keep stay updated on this as well too. We appreciate you all joining us for this topic as well too. 
we're going to now switch gears now and start talking about this, some other things around the sports world as well, too. If there's any questions or anything you want to talk about with this situation with us or you want us to touch base on, always reach out to us. Or if you have any qualms, trepidations, anything that we talked about, always reach out to us as well, too. We are an open book and open to hear all, all facets of this as well, too. But we're now going to move on to, to the rest of our show now as well, too. So that's going to switch us over to our next segment. Our next segment, as you all know, is called the main event. And the main event, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped.com. Use the code HILOSPORTS at checkout. Get yourself 20% off as well, too. If you've heard of Manscaped, you, you know what they're about as well, too. So definitely go check it out. If you find something you like, go ahead and use that code as well, too. So, Kelsey, we're going to go right into our main event here as now. Well, and there was a lot of other things going on in the sports world as well, too, including on Monday. We had ourselves another historic performance a week after talking about a historic performance as well, too, as Donovan Mitchell with a casual, cool 71 points, just a casual, cool every every day down at the park, 71 to go along with double digit assists as well to nearly a triple double in an overtime win. And the first word is, Oh my goodness. The second word is wow. The third word is how. And then the fourth word is holy moly. Cause not only did he put up buckets in abundance, they won the game and they needed every single one of them. Cause they, that game went to overtime and him missing a free throw to get two points instead of the one they needed down the stretch as well too, for that kind of like what we saw Luca do a couple weeks ago as well. What an absolutely insane performance. You rarely see 50. You rarely see 60. 71, I can count on like on my two hands at this point as well, too. And to get a dub on top of it. What a, the per, we'll talk more about where this ranks, too. But, but what were your first thoughts when you saw what, he, what Donovan Mitchell pulled off on Monday? Uh, well, okay. So, first of all, this, is, this becomes a little bit more incredible when you consider the fact that this is coming off of just playing the Bulls in Chicago on New Year's Eve. And him giving you 15 points on less than 50% shooting and 0 from 6 from the field. And then on the second, when they play the Bulls again at home in Cleveland, he's just like, you know what? I got you guys. 7 of 15 from 3, lighting it up. I mean, let's go to the 11 assists as well. So it's not like he was just doing it all by himself. Uh, 71 points, or as Brooke Lope, or as Robin Lopez likes to say, him and uh, Donovan Mitchell combined for 72 combined points. Um, so Robin Lopez obviously getting one. Uh, but no, it's uh, it was fantastic. Like Donovan Mitchell, man, he is he's such an enigma when it comes to watching somebody score, right? Because he's like, like he's like I said, he gave you 15 points in in the game two game two days ago, and then he's just like, ah, well, you know, that wasn't a great game. I'll do better. Well, he doesn't just do better; he does greater, like greater than, and gets you 71 points. That's what it that's just unheard of as far as that goes, and um. But fun fact about it, actually, so unheard of, the NBA, of course, hitting him with a random PED test the next Mandatory. day. So random PED test after after a 71-point game, of course, um, and playing 50 minutes in that 71-point game. But, yeah, no, it's, it is what Donovan Mitchell kind of has always done. He's always had a really big game at some point in time, but never this. Never, I don't think he, you've ever expected him to score above, what, 45 at the time was really kind of where he was – there's like 59 in the bubble was like the one like yeah. that was what we thought you if that's your prime outburst that's a pretty damn good prime outburst is at the end of your career but yeah. he said nah let's get we got more to this yeah and and, and to do it and, and more more importantly to do it on this cavaliers team that kind of tells me a lot about this Cavs team right it's they don't care who does it they just care that it gets done and gets a dub like this Cavs team has allowed him to do that and it's it's funny because you, you know you talk about how much he was relying on relied on in, in utah maybe taking some of that pressure off has allowed him to be that this guy that can score 70 can score 55 can score 40 can score 38 can score 39 you know like he can he can put up points in bunches if you need him to but really if you don't need him to he can be a guy that gives you 15 10 and 5 like so i i i, I don't know I, i'm fascinated to see this scoring outburst from him but at the same time i'm more fascinated to see that the cavaliers during all of this are just like yeah man you do you. We'll be here. Like, it's a young gun team, and they just, like, it just, who's got the hot hand at the end of the night? And they're going to put up points. I mean, this has been fun to watch for the Cavaliers so far. And Donovan Mitchell, obviously, getting his chance to shine. I, and I do think this is very true. I do think he's actually getting his chance to shine now. Um, and despite being the number one in Utah, I think putting him in this Cavs team has allowed some freedom so he can shine for real and not do the limited shining he was doing in Utah. Cause I felt like despite everything he was doing in Utah, he was always going to be capped by the fact that he is the most relied upon offensive player there. 
Like he has to handle the ball. He has to run the pick and rolls. He has to be the guy doing that because there was nobody else to do it at the level he could. Whereas now here in Cleveland, he's like, he could play second fiddle if you, if if Garland's move, you know, playing on ball. He can play on ball. He can play off ball. It's kind of like when with Steph Curry getting a point guard at the time or getting Clay Thompson healthy. You know, it's like those guys can play off of each other in different ways, and and you feel that way with Donovan Mitchell and this young Cavs team. He can play off ball. He can play on ball. Um, coming off screens. Good luck. I mean, this has been been a great. Yeah, I don't know, it's been a great watch. I, I'm I'm excited to see what he's doing going down the stretch here uh, before the All Star break. Let's also not forget, Darius Garland has a 50-point game this season as well, too. So they have two different guys that have gone north of 50 this year as well. And you got one that's gone north of 70. That's a that is a lot of firepower in that team. And to add on top of what he did, he didn't just score 71. He was responsible for 99 points. The second most since Will Chamberlain's 100. Even more than Kobe's 81 because that was Kobe strapping the team on his back. Nobody else, nobody else was touching the ball in that game because they needed every single bucket from him. He was responsible for 99 of what was like 140 points or something. Just absolutely ridiculous. Completely unheard of as well. You mentioned, I think, having that little bit of extra offensive weaponry around him. Jared Allen's, I think a more, I think his offensive game's even a little bit better than Rudy Gobert's, even though they're similar players. I think he gives you more offensively. He's Evan not Mobley a having a, <laughs> Exactly. Evan Mobley's, I'm not even going to say sophomore slumping. He's just a young kid still learning, but he's still a threat. Darius Garland's giving you 50 at one point. Kevin Love can still get hot. Isaac Okoro, Carius Levert. Like, they got a young squad that's they're, – they're dangerous as well, too. I know I had them as the three seed going to the Eastern Conference Finals in our predictions, but they might be more dangerous than I thought as well, too. Like, that is a very, very scary team. Donovan Mitchell, I'm not going to say quietly in that MVP conversation because there's no way you are quiet after a game like that. But yeah. maybe kicking in that door and entering the room with some of those other guys as well, too. Like, if he's not in the top three, I don't know. Obviously, Luka's up there. I say you have him, Kevin Durant, Jokic, kind of like that top three, four, and even Tatum's not that far off. Like he's in that conversation. I don't think you can have a conversation without actually putting him in there, without it being an absolutely heinous conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think you're exactly right. Um, I will also add in if you want to talk about statistics wise, like how he's been doing this season. Looking at twenty nine point three points a game, forty nine point two from the field. Which, by the way, twenty nine point three currently is three points higher per game on average than any of his previous other years. The 49% is nearly 5% higher from the field than he has been shooting. And his 41% from three is nearly 3% higher than he had. He's been averaging as well. So he's, I mean, he has been absolutely just killing it offensively. And and it's, it's been, you know, he, when he came out of Luba, I don't think anybody ever expected him to be this level of dude. Like, like, let's be real. Like, you're coming out of Louisville at that time during that Louisville, Louisville program. You're kind of like, all right, yeah, I mean, they'll make a nice NBA player. Um, but, yeah, I don't think anybody expected 70 points, 50-pointer. He had a 40-point game in December. I mean, yeah, that, I don't think anybody expected this. And, man, it's, it's going to be I, – I really think this is this team is going to be – you mentioned that you had him as a three seed. I mean, I think we both had him looking pretty good going into the playoffs and – I think we might have still undersold them. Like if we're being fair, like this has been a team. Yeah, you know, I talked, I, I joked before during our gift giving season uh, for them giving a touch of gold. I, I'm uh, maybe they are gold. Maybe it, maybe that's what it took. Like I don't know, but it's something. Something's cooking right now in Rocket Mortgage, so it's it's working for them. The last little nugget I'll have on this is three players, and I believe it's the last twenty years have scored north of seventy points. All three are shooting guards. All three were selected 13th overall in the first round with Mitchell, Devin Booker, and Kobe Bryant. So very duly noted, if you're picking 13th in the draft, grab yourself a two-guard because odds are they might get you a whole lot of buckets at some point. Don't overthink it. Just grab that grab that high-volume two-guard, and it will work out. So, But with Donovan Mitchell's high-scoring game and his outburst comes the question, though, of who did it better? Because Luka Doncic himself, we added our last episode was properly named Luka Magic after what he pulled off as well, too. So we had a Luka, 60, 20, and I think it was 10, triple-double as well with 20 rebounds. Donovan Mitchell, 71, 10, and 8 with the assist. I'm going to let you go first here because this is your MVP, or this is basically the bane of your existence slash your MVP and Luka on this podcast, and Spider Mitchell as well too, who did it better in your eyes. I mean, are we talking just single game or are we talking – because for Luka, I mean, it's a – we're talking since December 23rd that he has been on fire – Whereas we'll go with just the individual, we'll go with the individual game. In, we'll just individual game. I 
71 and 11 and 8 is tough. Um, but I, hmm, I can't, you, you can't beat 60, 21, and 10. I, 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 I'm sorry. Like, I just can't. Like, uh, it's tough because it's against the Bulls versus against the Knicks. So to me, that's obviously plays a part into it. And the Knicks are a playoff team where the Bulls are the Bulls right now. Sorry, Max. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, that's true. And and uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna honestly say I'm gonna say Luca. Uh, Luca did it better, and this is because I, I'm also afraid of just going against Luca at this point in time because <laughs> it's been debating my existence for so long. So I'm just gonna keep saying Luca and everything. Hopefully, I'll eventually just he'll he'll leave me alone. No longer quit staring mm. in the camera every time he does something good and staring into my soul. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I think Luca's Luca's game was that was. It was impressive on so many levels, and obviously, you talk about games going into overtime and needing to hit the but you know the the buckets to, to get them there. Like he got them to overtime, got them a win there, and then I, I think you couple that, and I think I honestly don't think you can leave out the rest of what he did in the last three weeks. Like it's been incredible for for Luca the last three weeks what he's been doing. Whereas Donovan Mitchell, I, I mentioned he had 15 points the game before against the Bulls. The next game he gets gets you 71. That's I mean that's amazing. But can you sustain it? Obviously, they're playing the Suns as we're recording this, so we don't know what he's going to end with tonight. But you know, I think I think at the end of the day, you have to also include that. I, I I'm just going to say Luca for that reason. But it's a it's a coin flip. I mean, really, it is. Like, which one helped you win more? Did the seventy one help you? Did the seventy one help you win a little bit more? Like, I, I honestly don't know. Um, and with that said, if if you know Donovan Mitchell ever watches this podcast, Donovan, I don't hate you. I just am scared of Luca a little bit more. You know that, and if, if anyone has watched the podcast long enough, they they understand that right now as well too. I will point out in Luca's favor as well too. He is the first player to have a sixty twenty and ten game in NBA history. So anytime that you're the first in NBA history to do something, that is definitely a that's definitely a so positive a scoring. In your exactly, like something relating to scoring. I feel like that's pretty even more impressive. Exactly, and on top of that, I'll add to that as well too. That's the first sixty-point game in Mavericks history, which is surprising to hear. The previous high was Dirk Nowitzki at fifty-three. Surprised me as well too, because I could have sworn Dirk Nowitzki one day got like a random sixty piece, but turns out Dirk Nowitzki's career high was fifty-three. So even more, so, even more, not even more check marks in the Luca column on that one. What I what's what I love about both of these ones too is they both were pretty efficient from the field when they did it as well, too. Yeah, Luca, he, he was 21 of 31 from the field and 16 of 22 from the free throw line. Donovan Mitchell was 22 of 34 shooting and 20 of 25 from the free throw line. Like They were both absolutely incredible. I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to lean slightly towards Luca in a 51 to 41% sort of thing, simply because yeah. it had the never-been-done-before in history sort of factor to it. They both did it without their number two options on top of that, too. If I'm not mistaken, I think Wood was injured in that game for the Mavericks, and I believe Garland was injured in that game for the Cavs too. So what they both did was absolutely incredible. They where they put the team on their backs. I think Donovan Mitchell's was more explosive, a little more. I don't want to say I'll say flashy, but not in a negative way. I think he just had a little. It was a little more graceful, a little more elegant, a little more explosive. Luke was was very. It was he has mastered the old man game and made it cool in a way. If that makes sense, like that. It's 51, 41, 49%. Like, I, if you told me Donovan was better, I'd be like, you're right. Like, I would not argue very deep. Yeah. I'll give Luca the slight nod just because it has that never been done before in history, not next to it as well. I mean, look, to score 71 points, you're in the in the air with, what, 10 other players historically, I believe? Uh, him, I think it's, Booker, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a short like list. Like, to score over 70 points, I believe it is 10 players in NBA history. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're in the, they're the likes of Kobe, up there the likes with, with Wilt. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, uh, there's some impressive, like, it's not taking mm-hmm. anything away to say that like, oh no, like, you know, Lucas was better. And it really is just because mm-hmm. it's the first ever at the end of the day. Like that's mm-hmm. really why that's a little bit better. You know what? I changed my mind already. I'm going to give, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Donovan Mitchell, 51, 49. I'm flipping, flipping on his head because I'm taking, I'm going to factor in the assist where he accounted for 99 points. He alone That's, almost yeah. pulled off the Wilt 100 points. So I'm going to flip-flop flip flop because, well, if we did this podcast for another 30 minutes, I'd flip-flop four more times. But I'm going to go with – I'm going to say Spider did it better 51% to 49. We're gonna, if anyone's listening that wants to comment below, tell me why I'm right or why I'm wrong or why Kelsey's right or why he's wrong because we, we I'm going to flip-flop back and forth on these all the time as well too. But I don't All right, here we go. Here we, we, have the, we have the list of players that score over 70. All right, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, twice – Three times, four times, 
Five times. Six times. Okay, David Thompson. Twice. David Robinson. Wait, David Robinson twice. No, David Thompson and David Robinson. I know what I'm saying. Didn't David Robinson do it twice too? Uh, no, only 71. Um, Kobe, Devin Booker, and Donovan Mitchell. That is the list. It's a pretty short so, list. One, two, three, four, five. Wilt did it a bunch of times, hmm. which makes six. And then Elgin Baylor is seven. Yeah, seven. Seven players. Five, six of which were Wilt. <laughs> I mean, that like, just shows how broke. Like seven, like thirteen total times has it happened. Six of which were Wilt. Seven were other guys. Uh, and actually, really ironically, in that four out of the seven, uh, uh, or four out of the seven actual players that do it, are modern era guys. It's very you absolutely know, correct. Post nineties, so. Yeah, I will I say mean, we did get a comment too. We did get a comment on our argument as well too, but it will not settle debate as RJ actually says we are both right on this one. So we are still stuck. We are still right in the middle as we try and figure out what. I think we're going to both just stick with that. We're both just going to be right at this point. Either way, I will take both of them if I'm building a team and I get either one. Here is my soul. You may have it as well too. So we'd sign that away. But before we forget, we don't want to brush this one under the rug. They're not the only two. They're not the only two players that went both berserk in the last 14 days as well too. We might have had the quietest double nickel 50 piece I've ever seen is Giannis with a very quiet, very brushed under the rug, 55-10, and I think it was seven assists against the Washington Wizards last night as well, too, which I had the bet queued up, but I took it off because there, was only, there wasn't enough games going on yesterday. I'm mad I didn't keep the over on his 30 points because I would have got that cleared pretty comfortably. But Giannis yeah. continues his domination in the last seven games. The last He's averaging 41 points and like 12 rebounds. He has been on an absolute tear as well, too. And nobody's even when I talked about the MVP earlier, I forgot to mention his name. That he's he's on he said it in the last game. He wants to be he wants to his scoring to almost be boring. Like he wants when he does that, he wants to be boring because he does it so well. And yes, comparison is the thief of joy. So what we are done comparing now, they are all awesome as well, too. That is a fair way to put it. So I want to ask you two a uh, Giannis quietly dominating. Does this kind of cue him in as the best player in the game? And if he if that is the case. Do you think he has a shot at this MVP or is it almost Giannis fatigue because he has done it so well for so long? And even when he takes it up a notch like this, you almost shrug your shoulders like, oh, another 50 piece. So I said this last year about Giannis where it's freakish to me that he is at 27 at the time. Now he's 28 and he's getting better every year. Like, like not to the level of like just a normal player going through their peak. This dude is getting astronomically better every year. You mentioned his, his, his 55 which, by the way, his career high, 55. 20 from 33 from the field. And if you know anything about Giannis, you know, you know, being efficient is not necessarily his game ever. Uh, not he most is kind high of a, Yeah, he is a kind of, a, uh, you know, one of the situations where he just kind of throws the ball up a lot of times, like when he gets close to the basket. For example, a 45-point game against the Bulls earlier this season, 17 of 39. A 27-point game, 9 of 22. 17 of 27, 12 of 17. Like, those are some of his, obviously, 12 of 17 game, great game against the Pelicans. Um, but the 20 of 33 was, I mean, wow. Uh, you know, and to do it in 37 minutes. So, in a regular regulation game. Um, unlike the other two we just mentioned, are did it during overtimes. But, I, you know, I tell you, you know, comparison to Steve and Joy, I don't want to compare. But I will say that it is, it is terrifying to me that Giannis just keeps getting better and better and better. And now we're not talking about him. And I, I, wor- I was worried about this in the offseason where it's just like, you know, we talked about some of the best players. Like, Luca is making is making that stride to be the best player, but he's doing it in your face. Whereas Giannis right now is quietly cooking behind the scenes 40 pieces left and right. Like, he has six 40 pieces in the last month. And you're just like, oh, 640 plus, I should say. And you're just like, oh, it's... It's that type of a se- type of a time for for Giannis right now, and it, I mean, it's to the point where he's like he's jogging off instead of running the clock off. He's jogging to the sideline, setting the ball on the sideline so his brother can come in the game. We all know when Thanasis and the Kupo comes in, the game is over. So, like that's the point where Giannis is getting where he's just like, you know what, I don't need to be on the court anymore, Coach. I'm I'm gonna I'm bringing my brother in for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's sad that he's not being talked about as enough. But it's hard because, like, you talk about Donovan Mitchell, you talk about Luca right now as the two front runners are here, and uh, John Morant. Like, 
all these guys are all very flashy with the way they play on a daily basis. Where Giannis is just kind of a long freak when it comes down to it. Like it's not as fascinating to continue watching a really long guy who's taller and faster and bigger than everybody. Dunk on everybody. Like it, most people don't find that fascinating after four seasons of watching him do it. Um, you know, they're going to be like, oh, wow, this point guard is dunking on absolutely everything with the ferocity of a thousand suns. Or this random white guy is playing old man ball in the NBA. 60 doing it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he's schooling everybody. Or then, you know, you have Donovan Mitchell. He just put up 71 points. Like, what? And then you just have Giannis just. Casual dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Like playing in the paint, just putting the ball up. It's. It's kind of yeah. This kind of maybe maybe you know, gonna be Giannis fatigue. I don't know, but it'll be sad if it is. But Giannis is definitely making a case for himself. I think maybe right now he might be my front runner, barely ahead of Luca. And I'd say that just because of the consistency of him. Um, Luca's not probably, like that. He's gonna be staring into the camera next time. Next time he plays, now is what the way to go. Uh, you know, I have to get something. Luca's got to <laughs> give me something here. Um, like he can't be, he can't like, and this is, this is, this is going to be the problem with this Luca and Giannis thing is you're right. If you do, and you're right, if and you're wrong, if you don't, and you're wrong, if you do, and you're wrong, if you know, like, no matter what you pick here, you're going to be wrong or you're going to be right. Just depending on which, you know, perspective people are looking at it from. Like I can say yes about Luca. I can say yes about Giannis and I'd be right in both situations. Any other year. What I, what I will add on to this case as well, too. One thing that's been crazy about Giannis is. He's done it pretty much this entire season without his co-pilot and Chris Middleton as well, too. And they're still like a game or two out of first place in the East. And we've had, what, six games of Chris Middleton? Even in those six games, he did not look like Chris Middleton. He has not quite bounced back yet. So he's been, he's kept them afloat. Drew Holiday, is, we obviously like Drew Holiday a lot, but this is not his best season. He's kind of doing it single-handedly almost is what makes it really impressive. And on top of it, he's doing all this domination while arguably being the best defensive player in the game, too, as well. Still. 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 And not just in the paint or just on ball, both. If Kawhi was healthy, then maybe maybe you could put him in the conversation for that best defensive player. But I saw a joke that I'm going to steal from somebody else as well, too. Ka- Kawhi's kind of like a government check. He only plays, he only plays twice a month. So I, at this point, I don't know if you could quite put him in that conversation. I can't remember who I saw that from on Twitter. I'm sorry I stole it from you. Let me know, and I will give you your trademark. But point is, I think you could make that strong case. Giannis is the best defensive player. In the game, as well as probably maybe one of the top offensive players as well, too. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't get over the government check commentary. That's I don't know who I don't know who thought of that one. I don't know where I saw it. If you happen to be watching one of those like handful of people, please let me know because I thought it was hilarious. That was that's a good one. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, honestly, yeah. I, I I'm lost now. I you got me all. So, you know what? I'm going to guide us into our next segment while you recover as well, too. We talked about quiet domination. Well, Giannis isn't the only quiet one. Is quietly. That team out of Brooklyn uh, might be the hottest team in the league, and we talked about the Cavaliers being dangerous. The Nets kind of suddenly turned into an absolute mess into an absolute juggernaut, winning, was it 14 out of the last 15, something ridiculous? Kevin Durant. 12 straight. 12 straight, even better. Kevin Durant during that time, his lowest field goal percentage is like 47% during that. Kyrie's averaging north of 20. They, I don't want to say they look unbeatable because that's obviously a stretch, but this it's the best they've looked since – Kyrie and Kevin joined even better than when they had James Harden for those 12 games they all played together. This probably looks like the best team we've seen on paper in a very, very long time, the way they've been rolling these last 12 games. Do you think this is the, this is kind of, this was kind of your preseason pick too, for Kevin Durant to be that MVP as well too, and to go on the, the Nets to go on this run. Do you think this is kind of the start of that as well too, or do you think it might be a blip and it might come back down to earth a little bit? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can say 18 out of 20 is the start of anything. I feel like this is a continuation at this point in time of, of what they started around uh, Thanksgiving because that's, that's what it all kind of turned around. Um, that's where they rattled, uh, Now it's been 18 out of 20 that they've rattled off. And then, like I said, 12 straight. Um, yeah, I, I think whatever was going on in the first couple weeks, I, I don't know what that was with, with the Nets, but that was definitely the ugliest basketball I think I've ever seen. And now, like you said, this is, might be some of the best basketball we think I think we've seen them play since these two have really been able to be on the court together. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think I think this might be the, the, the turning point for the Nets that they needed. But, man, for a while there, it was not looking good. I thought for sure this was going to be a team that is just astronomical failure this year. Like, hey, we, all have, we always have that one that's, for example, in the NFL, you have the Denver Broncos. Um, mm-hmm. But this is, like, this year, like, I thought it was going to be the Brooklyn Nets that was going to be the team in basketball that, that's going to let me down. And 
yeah, so far, I mean, that's not even happening. And I, I don't know what to say. I, you, you know, talk about keeping, you know, keeping me speechless from uh, things like this is, this is a turnaround that is just, it's player led. It's, it, I mean, this is just showing you the heart of Kevin Durant, how much he really wants to win and how much hearing that those chirps in the background uh, and maybe even Kyrie too, for that matter. The, I, I just don't know how much Kyrie gets involved with the out of court talk because I mean, he is so, he does not care. Like literally Kyrie does not care what you think about him anymore. Whereas KD still has a little bit of that not nice KD in him where he does care so much that he makes a commercial about it because of, you know, like that's how much he cares. So he still hears the chirps and he still has his burner account. So it just goes to show you how much like his passion can rub off on teammates and, and, and I can get them to go. And, and look, I'm not saying anything against Kyrie, but I think at this point in time, it's, it's, it's acceptable to say Kyrie is a second fiddle and should, and plays well as a second fiddle to KD. Um, and I think I think that's okay to say now. I, I don't think I'm going to hurt anybody's feelings saying that mm-hmm. anymore. But um, yeah, I think I think they've they've done well to do that. And I think Jacques Vaughn has finally really figured out how to get this team rolling. And and it's it's good to see the Nets. Uh, good to see for Jacques Vaughn too, because uh, talk about a good dude, good uh, former basketball player, just a good dude all around. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, you wish the best for him. So um, we'll we'll have to see if the Nets can continue this. But I think 18 out of 20 is pretty telling that they figured it out um at this point in time especially since you're running through a stretch of all eastern teams at that point in time um <laughs> so maybe that's what it was maybe they were just going through the west and that was just a struggle and then you know now they're going through the east and it's just like oh thank goodness it's breathable i don't know i don't know what the case may be but yeah 18 out of 20 tells me they figured something out and it's it's going well so we'll see at the all-star break if they can continue it but all signs point to yes what i will add on to that too is kevin durant who the last few years has had some a little bit of injury, the injury bug kind of getting him a little bit. Out of 37 games, he's played 36 of them. So this year he has been as healthy as he's been in a very long time, averaging just under 30 points a game as well, too, to go along with seven boards and more than five assists. And Ben Simmons as well, too. We haven't talked about him a whole lot recently, but he's subtly kind of found his role as that third option Swiss Army knife utility piece kind of as well, too. But, I mean, he's only giving you about – eight points a game, but he's giving you just under seven rebounds and about six assists as well, too, plus a steal and a half. And just the on-ball defense and versatility he provides you as well, too. When he's not asked to be your leading scorer or your LeBron Giannis type player, he's your third fill, a former multi-time all-star who is called the young prince saying he's the next LeBron James. And now he's just, he's the third guy on the team while Kyrie's giving you 26 and Kevin's giving you 30. Yeah. I look them the Bucks, the Celtics, and in my opinion, the Cavaliers is going to be a very, very fun quartet going down down the stretch. While there's still the Philadelphia 76ers in that Eastern conversation as well, too, and a few other teams as well. But when I look at those four, I look at that four horsemen race down the stretch is going to be very, very fun to watch in the East. I, I think as well too, and I I look forward to seeing some of those battles. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned injury, right? Uh, Kyrie, you talk about injury bug bitten. Playing 27 games so far, so two two away from all the games he played last season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely helps when you can stay healthy and play. Exactly, as well, too. And and on top of that, the other stuff that's kind of kept him away, too, not necessarily just injuries this year, is the other stuff that had him miss some games as well. So he's been even healthier than that says on top of it. So definitely look out for the Nets, look out for the Cavs, and don't forget about Giannis. I think that'll summarize the NBA so far for us. And looking at the West, good luck, everybody, because that, be, that is going to be a battle royale as well, too, but. Even the Kings are in the fact in the in the race for the West, and that just tells you everything you need to know about the West. I, mean, I actually saw somebody tweet got somebody got yelled at on Twitter for being called a Kings bandwagoner. Someone actually she literally got because she wore a Kings sweatshirt. Somebody tried to say she's a Kings bandwagoner. Have you ever heard that in your life? Someone being accused of being a Kings bandwagoner? I like that I had the double two thousand and two. Even ladies and gentlemen, I haven't heard that since Peja Stoyakovic and Vladi Divac were on the court with a. Hair like a full head of hair, Mike Bibby. And that was pre-jacked Mike Bibby. That was normal size Mike Bibby. That was normal Mike Bibby. That was former Vancouver Save Me or Saviors uh Mike Bibby. Yeah, didn't didn't say Vancouver. <laughs> it's a yeah, that's absolutely I I had the double take when I saw I was like, I can't believe this. And even back in 2002, it wasn't necessarily a Kings bandwagon. It was a we hate the Lakers bandwagon. And this is the team that seems like they might be. We hate the Lakers and we hate the Jazz. That's what the that's what the Kings bandwagon was. <laughs> I, I okay, I, I figured you'd get a kick out of it, but that's gonna do it for our main event now as well. Too the Kings are legit now, it feels like we'll see how long it stands for as well. By the way, before we get out of here, I gotta mention one more thing about your Kings. That big trade last year featuring Tyrese Halliburton, Don 
Zabonis as well, too. All of the players involved in that trade, Buddy Heald, kind of in position to be all-star all-star caliber players right now as well, too. All of them kind of are in that voting mix for it as well, too. So I'm going to say a trade that everybody won, like Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson, but interesting how that works out, too. And It's actually surprisingly close. And the Pacers with Halliburton and their young rookie, Math- Mathurin, I believe it is as well, too. I'm probably butchering his name. They're looking pretty dangerous, but we, we, we won't get too deep into those weeds as well, too. We just had to mention Kelsey's Kings a little bit because it's been a long three years on this podcast talking about the Kings. It's fine a time to finally relish and enjoy it a little bit. It's been a long 20 years not talking about it. It's been a long three years. Yeah, let's be honest. That's fair. Don't worry. When they're the Seattle Supersonics, I think they'll be able to like them a little bit differently. They won't let you down. But, you know, you know, fun fact about that, when they when they were rumored to be bought out by Seattle, and I guess I'm postponing this a little bit longer. When they were rumored to be bought <laughs> out by the group from Seattle and they were going to get moved to Seattle, I went and bought Supersonics gear. I found it and I bought it. I was 100% on board with becoming a Sonics fan. And mm-hmm. then they stayed the Kings and I was like, thank God. But now I had all this the Sonics gear that I just had nothing to do with. And so, fun fact, um, maybe wait until the ink dries before going and splurging on purchases in the future. I still have a very, very old Super Sonics t-shirt that has like Gary Payton and Sean Kemp on it. So I'm set if they ever do it. But anyway, we can go off on our wild tangents here as well, too. We're going to go and jump right into crunch time now. Crunch time, of course, brought to you by our friends over at outlier.com or outlier.bet, excuse me. Use use code outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Go ahead and give yourself a seven-day free trial. Bet smarter, not harder. Give yourself a chance to win some money by looking at trends, odds, betting odds, Everything you need to know to make a smart bet across multiple sports books as well, too. Can't say, since the sports betting came legal in Ohio all of 100 hours ago, we've used it to our benefit so far and have not been able to pull as much money as we want because we're greedy. But at the same time, it's definitely been beneficial for us as well, too. But crunch time, we normally like to spend a little bit of time here. And uh, we got we got a pretty busy NFL weekend coming up. A couple of, bit, couple of games that don't mean a whole lot and a couple that mean a whole lot of everything for a couple of franchises. And for the first one we're going to be looking at, we're going to start with the, the one that might not necessarily matter, but got the Sunday night matinee as well, too, is we got the Lions taking on the Packers. And the Lions could be eliminated by the time this game gets played, depending on how the rest of it goes. Or they could be fighting for their playoffs lives under the fighting Dan Campbells. We'll go to you quickly. Lions, Packers, who do you think? Do you think either one of these, do you think the Lions walk away with that seventh seed or do the Packers sneak their way back into the playoffs? Wouldn't it be the most Packers and Aaron Rodgers' thing to sneak his way back in the playoffs despite everything this season? Literally the definition of R-E-L-A-X ending in this way. Uh, but yeah, no, give me the Lions. Give me give me head coach Dan Campbell and squad. Jamal Williams will be able to do his Super Saiyan celebration in the end zone um, is all I'm going to say. He will definitely do that, but I'm going to take the Packers as well too because this gives him an entire hour on the Pat McAfee show to back. I told you guys we weren't mathematically eliminated. Here we go. And the Jordan Love, is he good or is he not good, is delayed by yet another year. So we'll continue to, we'll continue to wonder. It'll be the great what if. But the other game that we have right now is we have the Jaguars taking on the Titans. Winner takes all in the AFC South. Jaguars kind of coming out of nowhere as well, too. These last few weeks surprising everybody. The Titans doing the exact opposite and free-falling at a 90-degree angle. Do you think they stopped the bleeding led by King Henry and now Joshua Dobbs, too, the rocket scientist? Or do we see the prince that was promised, Trevor Lawrence, to lead his team to the play- to the playoffs after a miserable rookie year? Uh, I don't think you necessarily need a rocket scientist to beat the Jaguars. I think right now what you need is a uh, oh, a uh, chemical engineer to come maybe mm-hmm. come up with some kind of combination to stop the leakage in your secondary. Um, that sounds like a great idea. Obviously, Kevin Byer doesn't care. He's still going to get his numbers. Uh, but everybody else on that defense is struggle-busting, to say the least, for the Titans. And uh, the offense looks like you don't have a receiver over 700 yards receiving. That tells me everything you need to know about that team. So, uh, yeah, give me the Jaguars, the prince that has promised, Sunshine himself. And that's going to set up an awfully fun first-round matchup between possibly the Jaguars and the Chargers in in Jacksonville as well, too, if it goes that way. I want to say the Titans because I it feels like they can't possibly plummet this bad, But and Mike Vrabel's a heck of a coach. But at some point, these injuries actually have to matter. Like, they're the most injured team last year and ended up the number one seed. They're the most injured team this year. There's no way you get to go to the playoffs with this many injuries. It's just not fair. So unless Derrick Henry's got 203 in his back pocket, maybe a receiving touchdown to go with it, I think the Jaguars are going to squeak by this one as well, too. I think they just have the ability to stay out, stay homeostasis on offense, to stay ahead of the chains, as weird as it is. like Trevor Lawrence has been really, really good, but everything's been really easy for him with the way that they've been able to just stay ahead of the chains. They allow him to do what he does best, so. Give me the Jaguars as well. 
I say, don't forget tackling machine Foye Luogon. Second year in a row leading the league in tackles so far as well, too. And you have to imagine he's going to keep that going. But that'll do it for us here on the High Low Sports Podcast. Hey, we appreciate y'all joining in and hanging out with us for some good, some bad, some heartwarming, and a whole lot of everything in between. We appreciate you guys joining us, and we will see you all again next week.